Welcome to Central Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast. This program features the preaching and teaching of Corey Ramirez, the pastor of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. In God's Word, you will find the encouragement needed for today. And now, here is Pastor Ramirez. Uh, We're going to talk about our missions emphasis here. Um, Are you a witness for Christ is what we're going to talk about here this morning. Uh, We're working... There, it's going now. Okay, are you a witness for Christ? That's the question I want to ask you. Are you a witness for Christ? Uh, Let me begin with uh, sharing some thoughts with you. Uh, I am grateful for what I'd call many professions. I'm grateful for the medical field, uh, for all of the technology and the advancements and the time that is spent there. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily like going to a doctor. You know, I don't enjoy doctor visits, but I am grateful for the work that they do because it is a blessing. It is a blessing, the work that is done and all the help that we can get as far as making life more comfortable at times or making it more enjoyable, or even helping out with things. You know, one of the blessings along those lines is I wear contact lenses. If I took them out, uh, I'd know there were people here, but I might not know who you were. You could probably move around. I wouldn't know who anyone was. So I am grateful that that technology is around today so that I can have that ability. Uh, I'm also grateful for politicians. Now, do I agree with them? Not always, of course. You know, I like to tell people I I can solve all the world's problems. I just got to get them to listen to me. Uh, But, you know, I am grateful for the work they do because that's a difficult job. And, you know, I, I do believe we have some Good politicians that are doing their best to try to help our country, that love our country. And I do believe some are Christians that love our Lord and they're trying to do their best. So let's pray for them. And I'm grateful for that. Uh, I'm also grateful for teachers, educators. Grateful for teachers and educators because of the work they do. You know, I think sometimes we take it for granted the ability to read and write. You know, there have been many generations that didn't have that ability. You know, you read through the Bible, they had to, there was a reason why they had to gather to hear the Word of God read. Most of them couldn't read or write, so they had to listen. And so I am grateful that we have that ability, and children at a young age learn that, and I encourage people to get an education. And, uh, you know, not just the ability to read and write, we have so much knowledge at our fingertips, and grateful for that. Uh, you know, there's another thing I was grateful for, I didn't even know about it till this morning uh, in our Sunday school class, but little uh, Nathan there, he's back there now, but I uh, found out he prays the Lord for the dump, the, the trash truck is what he prays the Lord for. And I thought about that. And Brother Jay said, you know what? Uh, that is those little things that, you know, uh, we're grateful. Be grateful for someone who grabs the trash and takes it from it. You know, there are so many professions out there that I'm grateful for. I want to share this with you. I believe you, if you're saved here this morning, you have the knowledge that can change the world. And that's Jesus Christ. You have what people need. Now, I believe a politician can do a lot. I believe a doctor can do a lot. Uh, I believe a teacher can do a lot. I believe uh, someone picking up the trash can do a lot. But no matter what you do as a profession, if you're a Christian and you have Christ, you have what people need that can change their heart, that can change their soul. Not not just cover their problems, not not just give them a a Band-Aid to fix the symptoms, but you can have the answer that will help them to live what's what we would call a life that's pleasing unto God. Because you have the answer to the need of the soul, and that's Jesus Christ. Forgiveness, redemption, new life. And we're going to talk about that this morning. The question I have for you is, are you a witness of Christ? Are you a witness for Jesus Christ? And the text I want to take is in verse 8. He says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And notice what he says here, ye shall be witnesses. Unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and under the uttermost part of the earth. This morning, I want to focus on that word witness. 
and talk about what being a witness is and how we are to be a witness for Jesus Christ. So I have two thoughts for you. Are you a witness? Uh, we're going to talk first about being a witness of Christ, a witness of Christ. Now, let's uh, start with answering the first question. What is a witness? Well, we got to start there. What is a witness? Now, a witness is someone that knows facts concerning a matter and is willing to share those facts uh, as far as the matter. Now, there can be what we would call eyewitnesses, someone who saw something, and they are an eyewitness. They saw it, and they say, I can share these facts with you because I saw them with my own eyes. Or there can be witnesses of what we call uh, due to experience. They may not have seen it, but they have experienced something that they can say, I've experienced this, and I'm going to share this with you. I'm a witness of this power or something that took place. Uh, A witness basically is someone that can testify. They can say, I know this because, and then they can share the reason why they know this. Uh, Maybe they say, I've seen it or I've experienced it. That's why I want to share this knowledge with you. You know, today in courtrooms, lawyers look for witnesses, whether to make a case or to help defend their case, uh, their their client. They're looking for witnesses that can come in and say, I know the facts concerning the matter. And so a witness is someone who is willing to share the facts. You know, in the the scriptures we find in the Old Testament, uh, we find witnesses mentioned. And I'll not turn to all the passages, but I'll give them to you. In Deuteronomy chapter 17 through 19, uh, we find the passages that talk about you know, matters, civil matters, and the importance of witnesses. Uh, one of the things we find is two witnesses were, were required in order to put a person to death. There had to be two witnesses that agreed. Now, one witness could prevent the death, though. There was one witness that said, no, uh, this didn't happen, and one witness could prevent that. Also, we find two or more witnesses were needed to find anybody guilty of a crime or, or of an offense. So two or more witnesses had to agree. Uh, in the book of Matthew, we find that when we're dealing with problems amongst each other, brothers or sisters in Christ, uh, that we're to take it before two or more witnesses, two or three witnesses. You see, witnesses are someone who can hear something and then they later can say, I, I know this, I saw this, I heard this, uh, I've experienced this. Uh, now this morning, I want to bring it back to our, our text here. We're to be witnesses of Christ. We're to share Christ with others. So I think it's safe to say as a Christian, I guess you say that's our responsibility. No matter what you do as far as your profession, you could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, you can be a construction worker, you can be a pastor, you can be a minister. All of us are to share Christ with other people. We're all to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. So let's start here. What qualifies you to be a witness? You may say, well, well how, how can I be qualified, pastor, to be a witness of Jesus Christ? Now here's the first one. Unless you're older than I think you are. You're not an eyewitness of Jesus Christ, okay? Uh, so you can't say, I saw him, I was in Galilee, or I saw him perform these miracles. Well, I guess you could say it, but uh, you probably wouldn't be a very good witness. Uh, you know, Christ walked this earth, but that was several thousand years ago. Uh, now, I do know the Bible tells us that Paul said he saw him, you know, out of due time. Uh, I heard someone put it this way, said, well, there's very few Pauls out there. So unless uh, you can prove that you actually saw Christ, then chances are, uh, you just saw something or someone or anything else like that. So basically, an eyewitness, we have the eyewitnesses. They're in the gospel. They gave us their account. What we are today is we are witnesses based upon what we call experience, what we know God has done for us. Now, if you have your Bibles, let's go to 1 Timothy. I'm going to show you a passage here in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Because here we have the Apostle Paul uh, in his letter to Timothy here talking a little bit about 
his experience and sharing this with Timothy. And I think this will encourage us as we share Christ and how God has worked in our life with others. So 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we'll begin here in verse uh, 12. He says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I'm going to stop there. Notice what Paul said here to Timothy. Basically he's saying this is what God has done for me. He understood that he was a sinner. He understood that he'd made his mistakes. But he also understood that he'd been saved. He'd been forgiven. And that was his experience with Christ. You know, it's interesting when you read the book of Acts, uh, on many occasions that's all he does is just share what Christ did for him. And that's being a witness. And this morning you can be a witness of what Christ has done for you. What Christ has done for you. Now let's start here with this. Has Christ changed your life? Has Christ changed your life? You know, salvation is a change A change takes place within the heart of an individual. You're given a new life. And with that new life comes new desires and a new direction. You now have a Lord and a Savior that you seek to follow. And that's a change that takes place. Now, if that change has not taken place in your heart, that can take place today. And you say, Pastor, how can that happen? Well, that's called salvation. We refer to that as being saved. Understanding you're a sinner. You've sinned against God. And that sin separates you from the Lord. Nothing you can do to change that. Uh, you can try to be good. You can go to church. You can uh, even be baptized and follow all the, the teachings of a church. But until you repent of that sin, accept Jesus as your Savior, that sin is still there. there, there it's your sin still. When, when you receive Christ, the Bible teaches that you're forgiven. Christ comes into your heart, and you're now what we would call saved. You belong to Christ. Now, the sin is still paid for. Christ makes the payment for you, is what it amounts to. So make sure you're saved. That's where it begins. And if you're saved, if you know nothing else about the Bible, but the fact you're saved, you know you can be a witness of Christ. You can share with someone else. Say, you know, uh, I don't know all the answers. You may have a lot of questions, but I can tell you this. Here's how Christ has changed my life. Here's how He saved my soul. And then share with them. You know, often people respond to testimonies, to how Christ has been a blessing to you. And and that's something, and your testimony, I guarantee, is unique. It's yours. It's different than everyone else in this room here. It's your testimony. And so I encourage you, when you get opportunities, to share your testimony with others. And pray that the Lord will open up doors where you can share your testimony, and that it will be a blessing and encouragement, maybe to someone who's lost, who will hear your testimony, and they will receive Christ as their, as their Savior. So, here's a thought for you. If you're saved, you have something to share. Okay, if you're saved, you have something to share. And, and then afterwards, you can think of all the other blessings. You know, God is uh, rich in grace and mercy, and He blesses us abundantly. And maybe there's some experiences in your life where God has been a blessing to you. God has been an encouragement. That God has taken you through maybe a difficulty or trial. And you know, those are testimonies of God's grace, God's greatness in your life. You can share those with others too. Now, obviously, they're yours, so you, you share them as God would lead. But God can bless you in those areas. 
God can work through those testimonies to encourage others perhaps to trust in Christ or to come to Christ. You see, you're a witness of God's greatness. You're a witness of God's grace. And being a witness, you can now share that with someone else. I encourage you to share those blessings with other people. Now this morning, let's go to our second point here. And I want to spend a little bit more time on this. Because notice, uh, that's being a witness of Christ. But notice the wording in this verse. And I want to take you back to verse 8 of chapter 1. He says here, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then he says here, And ye shall be witnesses. Notice he says, Unto me. Unto me. And looking this up a little bit, I found it to be interesting. Basically, the, the implication here is not only are we to be a witness of Christ, of what he's done, but we're to be a witness unto him. In other words, my first thought is we're to be under his guidance, under his direction. We're to be a witness unto him, not unto self. You know, uh, being a witness unto self is basically doing it when I feel like it, when I want to do it, or Sharing what I think is best, being a witness under Christ is following His direction, His leadership, and sharing what He wants us to share when and under His, I guess you say, power with His power and authority. So it's not what we think is best necessarily, but what God thinks is best. Let me give you an example of this or, or a thought here on this. You know, there uh, the late Charles Spurgeon used to tell the story how. He had preached two messages, and I can relate to this. I don't know, I know Brother Coomer, I don't know if he can, but I can. Uh, but he said he preached two messages, and they were back-to-back on Sundays. And one message, he told the story of how when he preached it, he said it just seemed to hit everything right. You know, it just, it flowed. He said everything went right, he didn't stutter, didn't make any mistakes, went through everything that he had planned and prayed over and went through the message. And he said the Lord, he just, everything went well. He said that following Sunday he preached, he said he, everything just seemed to not go well. He said he struggled with each point. He couldn't get through anything. Anyway, he said as the weeks passed, he determined to see, you know, if there would be any response to those two messages. Come to find out, he said, an overwhelming amount of people came to him on that second message and said, the Lord just spoke through my heart on that message. He said he didn't hear anybody say anything about the message he thought went well. He said it was the message he thought he failed to get out was the message that God worked through. And then he, he, he went on to summarize it this way, saying God humbled his heart because he realized it wasn't his power or abilities, it was God working through the message that God had. But also he said this, he said it always reminded him that when God's word goes out, even if we don't think we do a good job, God can work with that. And so continue to go and preach or teach or witness because it's God who works. And so what we find here is we're to be witnesses unto Christ. We're to to share the gospel, even at times where we think we might mess up. I've had times where after I shared the gospel with someone I was a witness and I walked away and I thought, well, why didn't I say this? Why didn't I say that? Or I wish I would have explained it better. And those are times where you just got to leave it with the Lord. Say, well, Lord, I trust you can take that what was there through my mistakes and my faults and you can work in someone's heart. And you just trust God. But the key is, is just sharing Christ with somebody and sharing the gospel with whoever the Lord provides in your life. So here's a few thoughts on under the guidance of Christ, being a witness under Christ, under his guidance. First, we have to do the work in his power. And that's kind of what Charles Spurgeon uh, was referring to. It's the power of God that we need in our life as we witness to others about Jesus Christ. Now, to have this power, you have to have the Spirit in your life because it's the Spirit. Notice he says the Spirit. Let's go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You shall receive power. He's talking about power here. 
After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, if you go over to Acts chapter 2, you'll find when the Holy Spirit empowered the church. Here we find the, 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 the members were gathered together. It says, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, what we find here is the Holy Spirit empowered to do their work. Now, he already, he already dwelt with them. They were already believers, but he empowered them for the work that God had commissioned the church to do. Now, this took place after Christ ascended. Of course, he ascended, and then the Holy Spirit empowered him to go forward. Well, the Holy Spirit is still with us today. He still provides our power. All right? The, the power is there. We just need to yield to him now. In other words, look to him, rely upon him, trust him, and be directed by him. You know, uh, I've had times in my life where the Holy Spirit just impressed upon me to say something. Just to say something to someone. Uh, I'll be honest, there have been times where I neglected that. Made an excuse. Looked back later thought, you know, I should have just said something. And, and I'm talking about sharing the gospel. And then at times where the Holy Spirit has just said, you know, give this person a track. And I did. I don't know what ever came of it. But I gave him a track. The Holy Spirit just worked on my heart. You know, the Holy Spirit will work in your heart too. And follow his leading. Follow his direction as you look to share Christ with others. And that's what we find here. The Holy Spirit, you need to follow him. Of course, don't, don't grieve him with our sin or our conduct. But, but make sure we are yielding to him and we're living in his power and his strength. Uh, another thought here is patience. Note he says, after that, he says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, uh, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, under the uttermost part of the earth. Uh, so they were to wait, is what they were to do. They were to wait for the power of the Spirit. Now, uh, we don't have to necessarily wait for the power of the Spirit as they did, because it's a different time. The Spirit arrived and empowered them. So we don't have to wait necessarily like they did in that area. But let me give you a few thoughts on how we do have to wait. Here's the first one. We do need to wait for God to open up doors at times. Uh, you know, I do believe in being a witness, but I don't think the Lord wants us to be fools either. Uh, I think he wants us to wait for him to work and open up doors, look for opportunities. Uh, I believe when you do that, you're going to be, your days going to be full of opportunities. God's going to open up doors for you. He's going to give you chances to share the gospel with somebody or to invite someone to church, or to give them a track, if that's all you have time for, just to hand out a track. But wait for those opportunities and look for them. And when God opens up those doors, then take advantage of them. And just share the gospel with someone. It may be nothing more than just someone at the store, and you have a track saying, you know, uh, I'd like to invite you to church. You go to church, and you may have no more time than just in leaving a track with them and, and moving on about your day. But those opportunities, as they open up, I encourage you to be a witness of Jesus Christ. We also have to wait upon God to work. Now, this is a difficult one, okay? Because, you know, uh, it's nice when we witness to somebody. I think I've had this actually happen one time where I went in to witness to someone, and before I could even really get it out, they looked at me and said, I know what I need to do. I'm a sinner. I need to accept Christ as my Savior. And it just all fell in line right from that point on. It's like the Lord had already been working in the heart before I even got there. But I would say 99% of the times it's, okay, I'll think about it, or I'll, uh, let me consider this. Uh, or they might talk a little bit more. The point being is we have to wait upon God to work in their heart, too. And we don't get discouraged because someone doesn't accept Christ at the moment. 
we continue being a witness and a testimony, trusting God to work. Now, let me give you an illustration on this that I believe is an excellent one that will encourage you. At the age of 18, there's a gentleman by the name of John Short. He went and heard a well-known preacher by the name of John Flavel, who was a preacher. This took place in the 1600s. He went and heard him preach uh, over there, in, over in England, and he heard him preach a message on salvation. And he heard the message clear uh, and Went home, went about his life. A few years later, he sailed for America, went across the Atlantic, uh, sailed for America, and he arrived in New England, and there he established a good life. He became a farmer, was very successful at that, became a businessman, was very successful, had no interest in God, no interest in Christ, just uh, went about his life. Well, John Short lived a long life, is what he lived, and at the age of 103, he went out walking through his fields, and he sat down, and basically said, this is all I have, and it's nothing. And he remembered the message that he heard as an 18-year-old from John Flavel, and he repented of his sins and accepted Christ as his Savior, went home and shared it with his family. Eighty-five years later, he responded to the gospel. So don't let that discourage you when you share a message with somebody or you witness to someone and they don't respond immediately. You just leave it with the Lord. Trust God will work. The seed's been planted and just pray for them. You get other opportunities, continue to do so. But you just never know when they're going to respond. We just be faithful in taking the gospel out. So notice we have the, the power and then the patience. But also God gave him a plan, and it was a very simple plan. And we'll talk more about this plan in the future. But he says here, And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Here's the few thoughts I want to share with you this morning on this plan. Basically, it's to the whole world. You'll notice that. It's to the whole world. Uh, they were to take the gospel out to everyone and leave nobody out. So here's just the thoughts I'll give to you this morning on this. This was not just to those that they had someone in something in common with. Okay? Now, I think you should share the gospel with someone you have something in common with. But even if you have something that you don't have anything in common with, you can still share the gospel with them. Also, it wasn't just with those that they agree with. You know, it's easy to share the gospel with someone who might agree with you on matters, but we're to share it with even those that disagree with us in areas. You know, as Christians, we might find a lot of people who disagree with us in certain areas of whether it's the government, politics, other areas. But you know what? They need the gospel, and we need to share the gospel with them. Also, we shouldn't share the gospel just with those that we are friendly with, that we are acquainted with. We should share the gospel with those that we come across on a daily basis. Even if it's a stranger, share the gospel with them. Invite them to know Christ or invite them to church or give them the website where they can see a gospel mess, hear a gospel message or just invite people to know Christ. Also, here's some thoughts here. We're to share the gospel to those that we are different than. And that can be difficult. That can be real difficult. How about this? Those that are difficult in life, you know, uh, you may work with someone who's difficult. Pray for them. Share the gospel with them. Also, we should share the gospel even with those that are dangerous to us. A threat. Uh, you know, I thank the Lord for those that do prison ministries. They need to hear the gospel. You know, I, I met recently, I went to a conference down in Dallas a month ago. And, you know, you don't hear very many missionaries going into Turkey, Iran. In that conference, I met three men going that direction. God just worked on their heart, taking them there. I thought, wow, they're going into areas that definitely disagreements and even danger in some of those areas. But God is leading in that direction. 
Let's pray for them. Let's share the gospel with everyone that we come across. That's the thought here, is that we're to share the gospel with everyone and pray that God will work in the hearts of people. And then here's my final thought. We talked about sharing the gospel under Christ, you know, His guidance. But also, the, the thought here is we share Christ with others, His, his goodness, or I guess you say, or His greatness. Uh, first, you know, there's hope when it comes to Jesus Christ. You have hope. And you can share that hope with someone else. I think our world today desperately needs something to hope in. There is so much discouragement. Uh, you know, people are so discouraged. It's an all-time high in our country today. Uh, even It's interesting. We live in what we call a social media, you know, I guess a culture, yet people are not very social. They, they don't reach out for help. They don't talk to others. We need to share the gospel with people. And I tell you, here, here's something to think about. You know, it's so easy to fall in place with that culture. It's so easy to become as Christians where we just sit back and don't share the gospel because the culture itself is becoming that way. Well, we need to step out a little bit and share the gospel with people. Invite them to come to know Christ as their Savior. You know, when you look at the book of Acts, the emphasis of this book is sharing Jesus Christ. Uh, We find in Acts chapter 2, let's look at a few examples. Acts chapter 2, notice it says in verse 22, this is Peter here. And here he's preaching, he says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined counsel of foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. And then he goes on to tell how they can have redemption and forgiveness. But notice he's sharing Christ with the people. We find that in the book of Acts chapter 26th, uh, we find Paul sharing the gospel. We find Stephen sharing it later. That's the whole emphasis of the, of the book of Acts is taking the gospel out. And I think that's what we continue to do today. Take the gospel out. Now, here's some thoughts here. Let me go back to Acts chapter 1. Notice what happened here in verse 3. I'm going to go back to Acts chapter 1. Verse 3 says, To whom also he, speaking of Christ, showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Okay, so these first witnesses saw Jesus Christ with their eyes after he arose from the grave. Can you imagine that? Now, we'll see him at some point, but they saw him after he arose from the grave. And the Bible tells us in Corinthians that he was seen by over 500 brethren. Some believe that doesn't refer to the to their families. It just refers to them, the, the men, of the, the, the leaders. And so you're talking about a large amount of people saw Christ after he arose. It's supposed to be too many to, to deny. Let's put it that way. Too many to deny and too many people to argue with. You see, what we find is Christ is alive. That's a fact. And that's something you can share with other people, that Christ is alive. Now, let me put some of this in perspective. For you, because you know, as you go out, you know, we're about 2,000 years removed from when Christ arose. And so, 2,000 years is enough time for people to begin doubting or questioning and other things. But let me put something in perspective that I find interesting. Uh, Alexander the Great, he was the, the, I guess, the great conqueror of Greece, Alexander the Great. You know, he died in 323 BC, is when he uh, left this earth. His earliest biographies were written by the historians Arian and Plutarch. And both those were written about 400 years after his death. Both biographies are considered to be trustworthy. Kind of interesting. Most historians will refer to them when they're talking about Alexander or the Greek kingdom, and they'll refer to them as trustworthy, as facts. 400 years after his death, they didn't see him. 
They just wrote down what the histories had, that they knew of. The book of Mark was written within 20 years, it's believed 20 to 25 years, of Jesus Christ's death. 20 years. Right afterwards, the book of Luke, Matthew, and then John came later. But you have three Gospels that were written within 30 to 50 years of his life. Think about that. that. That's the same generation, folks. That When they were written, there were eyewitnesses that still lived. That if those were false, could have stood up and said, hey, no, they, these guys don't know what they're talking about. That didn't happen. See, they could have refuted the facts. The facts were there. We have eyewitnesses who shared that with us. And that's what we look at and say, you know what? Christ is alive. Christ is alive today. Obviously, he began to share other things with other people. But, but that being said, folks, Christ is alive And that's something you can share with someone else. And that's the message we have. Because with Christ being alive, that means we have hope today. We have hope in Him. We have hope that we will live as well. And that's what it kind of comes down to here this morning. You see, Jesus Christ is the answer. He's the answer to our needs, but He's the answer to the needs of others. He provides life. But not only does He provide life, but also He provides a good life. We have someone we can pray to, someone that we provides His strength, His power, guidance and direction, giving us the Spirit. And, and that's something that as a Christian you have. Praise God for that every day. Thank the Lord for the life you have in Christ. But that's also something you can share with somebody else so they can know Christ. And, and in closing this morning, let me give you a final illustration on how sometimes, uh, you know, just sharing the gospel, sharing Christ with somebody uh, can be done at all sorts of times. And who knows how the Lord's going to work. I'll give you this last illustration here to, to encourage you. It's uh, by John Wesley. Uh, John Wesley started the Methodist Church or uh, credited with starting the Methodist Church. And I don't think the Methodist Church today is what he started or founded. It's a lot different than back then. But he lived during the time of George Whitfield, John Wesley. And uh, anyway, uh, there's a story of him. He was robbed and his life was threatened uh, one night after a church service. Uh, I don't know if anyone here has ever had to deal with something like that, but uh, uh, not enjoyable. Not a time that you would think would be a good opportunity to be a witness or a testimony. Uh, but uh, he was robbed after a church service coming out. And as the thief was leaving, beginning to turn to leave, uh, John Wesley called out. He said, stop. He said, I have something else to give you. Of course, it caught the thief's attention. And he turned around and he, he looked. And uh, John Wesley said, you may live to regret this sort of life that you're living. He says, if you ever do, here's something to remember. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. He said the thief turned around and just took off. John Wesley continued on his life. About five years later, he said he was preaching a service in a town a little ways away from here, from where he met this thief. And he said, and after the service, a man came up to him. He said he didn't recognize him. John Wesley said the man shook his hand and he told him, he said, it's because of you my life has been changed. He said, I'm now a successful businessman. He said, I now have a family. He said, I used to be a thief and I stole from you. He said, but I never forgot the words that you told me. And he goes, and as I ran away, he goes, later I accepted Christ as my Savior. You know what John Wesley told him? He said, "Uh, my friend, it's not because of me but to the precious blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses from all sin. Isn't that wonderful? We are saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we can share that with someone else. So I just encourage you, 
to pray that God will just give you opportunities to be a witness and a testimony. And then just use those opportunities. Ask the Spirit to give you wisdom. Ask the Spirit to give you boldness. Ask the Spirit to help you be a witness and a testimony. And He will. He'll give you the words to say. He'll help you say them. And even if you think, well, I didn't say it right, He can still take His word and He can still bless. You've been listening to the preaching of Pastor Ramirez of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you would like more information about Pastor Ramirez or Central Baptist Church, please visit our website, centralbaptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again for another message from God's Word.